anyway, good morning, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. And it is the Sunday morning edition in which we talk about all kinds of stuff. So uh, unfortunately for us, over last night, we all woke up this morning because there was a mass shooting in Kansas at a bar in Kansas. Hey, welcome to Down to Earth. Thanks for joining us via Periscope. And it's interesting to me because I cannot believe that we actually are talking about another mass shooting. I believe it's 52 days since the one in Dayton, Ohio, right? Because it's now October the 6th. Yeah, that's not going really well for us, right? It's now October the 6th. So it's been 50 days since the last mass shooting in Ohio, in Dayton, Ohio. And now we have a mass shooting of all places in Kansas. Is anyone out there hearing what this sounds like? I mean, like seriously, at a bar. So it's Saturday night, people got paid on Friday. They're hanging out because people want to hang out. That's what we do all over the world. It's not unusual. It's human. That's how we socialize and come together. And I guess we're sending a message to potential mass shooters out there that we really don't appreciate you trying to interrupt us having fun or trying to interrupt us doing what we do. If you don't have a life, then suck. it sucks to be you. You're, you suck. So go take your suck itself and go suck yourself somewhere else. You know, just go sit in a corner somewhere where nobody has to interact with you. So if you don't have a life and perhaps you are not sociable, so no one likes you because you suck as a personality. Well, go take a personality improvement course. But for the life of me, I'm just sick and tired of mass shooters thinking that it's okay to go and shoot up people while people are actively engaged in having fun and commiserating and in socializing. Doesn't it just sound to you like mass shooters just hate to see people gather together? The last mass shooter in, in, uh, in, in, uh, in, I think it was in Dayton actually killed his sister. He took his sister to the event, right? And then he, he shot her and killed her. Now, this is your sister, so from 20 yards away, you grew up with this person, you can know her form and know that it's your sister, and he still shot her and killed her, which tells you that he's a joke, which tells you that this mass shooter is an idiot and that he's a joke, right? And I just want to say to all mass shooters out there, you are an idiot and we're laughing at you. I think the time has come now for the rest of us in the society not to fear them, but to laugh at them. They suck. They have no personality. They have no uh, no <laughs> no redeeming qualities that the rest of us would want to emulate. They're not good looking. They're not handsome. They're not uh, appealing in any way, and they suck. And we don't want them. And I think that's what we need to start doing. I think if we start ostracizing them, then it's going to become a, a place where they will eventually just uh, just become what they are. We don't care. Right? So today we're going to talk about, uh, we're just going to talk about what it means to be, to be here now. All week long we've been talking about all kinds of things. I mean, I was just flipping through the stuff. We, there was porn on a Michigan billboard. Anybody heard about that one? <laughs> right? So last Saturday night, a group of kids got together and put porn on a Michigan billboard. So I wanted to kind of bring this into my Sunday morning speak because I wanted to talk about a, a, a study that I read years ago in which they said that when there is an, a religious convention in town, that's when subscriptions to HBO 
the hotels report that you know when subscriptions to HBO uh, and to porn websites go up more. So I wanted to ask, what does do you believe that people of faith have a secret life? Do you think they have a secret life where they use porn and 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 so on? Because I cannot imagine for the life of me. <laughs> I can't imagine a pastor coming to speak before his, his his crowd on a Sunday morning and last night he was watching porn. And that's an image that just doesn't jive with me and you're all smiling. But I can't imagine that that could be true. But it is. <laughs> and I wanted to ask, what do you think redemption means in terms of that? What does redemption mean in terms of people who watch porn? Or today we're so atheistic as a society that we don't even believe in God anymore. Most people are like, I don't know that I have any belief in God. I don't know that I believe in God. I don't believe that God exists. I don't believe blah, 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 blah. People are so atheistic today. It's just me. I, I, I need to keep still because <laughs> I move around a lot, right? But people are so atheistic today that they don't even uh, think about what they're doing. They don't think about, you know, uh, there's no accountability. It's a thing that alarms me, uh, you know, as I look through the society, because what I find today is that we have stretched the boundaries and accommodations for morality so far, they're so far stretched, that now we have included a whole lot of stuff that we never would have before. And now refer to it as okay, that this is okay type of behavior. So now we don't know what is really okay, what is not, what is acceptable, what is not, because there's no moral code anymore. And and people like, you know, when, when you say a moral code, people say, well, you're a prude or you're just, uh, what the, you know, you're too religious or you are uh, apprehensive. But the real truth of the matter is that there has to be some form of accountability. There, people must feel that they're accountable to something. I believe that mass shooters have lost respect for their family first, because family is the first authority, right? I'm going somewhere with this. They, they have lost respect for their family. Having lost respect for their family, they have lost respect for the community because now they don't respect the principal at school, they don't respect his or her authority. They don't respect the authority in the home. They don't respect the authority at school and they do not respect the police. So they're not gonna respect the prosecutor and the judge. Having lost that now, and the reason they have come to that place and have lost that is because as a society, we propagate beliefs that exist outside of a Godhead, that exist out of there's one final accountability uh, center. There's one final accountability authority that we all must subscribe to. Our behaviors are part of that. Our beliefs are part of that. So I believe that in this new open way of thinking that we've been embracing for the last 30 years, we finally have gone off the Richter scale in terms of what is moral. Uh, people now say there's no such thing as immoral or unethical. You do as you please. You do as you wish. Whatever is, is right for you to do or whatever you feel you should do is what you should do. And what that has done is has destroyed the fabric of the society. It has made us less accountable and consequently, we see all these types of behaviors. 
recently I was in a seminar and I was one of the speakers and one of the speakers prior to me, she said something that grabbed me. She's a politician, a prospective politician, and she's running for office here in Michigan. And she said something that really grabbed me. She said, she's beginning to look at accountability in a different way. She said that she's beginning to think we need to provide greater incentives for people to become married and to stay married that perhaps it will stop the breakdown of the family. Now, you've got to look at this. Most of us tend to look at that from our own perspective. You have to look at it as a whole. How is this impacting the wider society, right? And I do admit that in, in, in previous times, maybe your politicians have just looked at one group of the population and think if it's okay for that one group, then it has broad-based application to everyone else. And that does not work. It just does not work, right? But when she said that, when she said that providing and accommodations for people to become married, tax incentives, and other incentives from a policy perspective, a public policy perspective, will reduce the number of people who are, you know, who, if, as long as there are incentives to stay married, people will stay married. And I had to think about that. Because when I thought about it, I said, it absolutely makes sense. We are perhaps one of the few countries in the world that doesn't do that anymore. Once upon a time we did, and then we stopped. And then people said, well, I don't have to get married anymore. I can live with you forever. And so this casual approach to relationships took place. And now what we have is total lawlessness. So now people feel like, I don't owe you anything. You know, we can get married. Nobody cares. Uh, we don't. I don't like you. We can just jump out of a relationship. And so you, what we're finding now is that amongst the elderly population, there are two things that are happening. One is that the elderly population are finding themselves, uh, women who have been married for over 20 years and who have invested all their lives into this marriage, all of a sudden the husband gets up one day and he doesn't want to be married, he goes and cheats, finds either the younger person, the younger model, or he just feels like he should have a group of younger models, whatever it is. And so a woman in her 50s and 60s, this is, this is what alarms me, women in their 50s, late 50s and 60s are finding themselves homeless as a result of not being married anymore of having lived in a long-term marriage. And I sat there and it was appalling because now they find themselves homeless, they're jobless, they have to start all over again at that age to start working as if no one cares. As if, where was the man that you spent 22, 28 years with, 30 years with, right? And then there's the other side of the spectrum where seniors now are living together more casually because getting married, if they get married, then they would lose benefits or if they get married, they would lose some sort of accommodation. So when you look at the whole thing as a whole, we've got a problem in the society. And as I sat there and listened to it, I said, what that is telling me is that there is no sense of accountability. There is no way, because we have discharged God out of the system, God is irrelevant. We don't need a grandmaster telling us how to behave. That's the attitude. I don't want anybody telling me how to be. You see it in not just children, but you see it in adults. People are totally lawless. They feel as if, catch me if you can. People are driving down the street. They just hit someone and they keep driving. Catch me if you can, as if they're really not going to catch you with surveillance cameras on every street corner. Good luck right? But it's the general lawlessness, the general approach to the society where people don't have a sense of accountability. And that comes from removing God from the society. So now you have 
situations where people feel, well, as long as it's not public and no one sees it, then I can do it. And as a matter of fact, I have a right to be a person without thinking of the implications of your actions. Because you want to tell me now that any pastor, any man who is a preacher, priest, pastor, what pulpiteer, whatever they call themselves, right? You want to tell me seriously that such an individual does not feel a sense of accountability that every Sunday morning or Wednesday or Tuesday or whatever he has Bible classes, whether it's he's Catholic, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You want to tell me that he doesn't feel a certain sense of accountability that this kind of behavior if people were to find out is not showing my redemptive side is not showing that i am living forthrightly is not showing that i'm living within the bounds of a moral code you really think so you're telling me that he doesn't think like that that he really is i'm in it to win it i'm in it to collect it yeah <clears throat> and i'm in it so i can have fun with it that's what that is telling me so we have to get back to the state where we hold people accountable. We've got to get back to the state where we have some sort of accountability. It's it's obviously, we tried it. It was an experiment. We tried it, tried doing without God. And, you know, how did that work, especially for us? We saw all kinds of things. There's now no, nothing. Uh, in the 1950s and the 1960s, that doesn't mean that I believe that religion should be oppressive. I believe it has evolved now to the state where the people who are practicing it no longer view it as a form of oppression or use it as a form of oppression to people. I believe we have evolved from that. Those leaders are dying out. They're going, right? Because certainly in the 1950s and the 1960s, the case could be made that the religion that was practiced, especially that was pervasive throughout Christianity, was a form of oppression. It was oppressive to the people who were who were practicing it and who had to live with it. Yes, it was. You know, where they kept women down, they kept children down, and you, you couldn't you couldn't exercise your free will, you couldn't speak, you couldn't say anything. Well, that day and time is over. What has to emerge now is a form of Christianity that still manages to have God at its center, but at the same time, keeping the idea that if you're gonna choose to do this, then there are certain kinds of behaviors that you, you have to model. And I think when you're hiring preachers, you ought to say that. Some guy gets up today and he says, I'm called to be a, a, a preacher and so on. I think he needs to have a board of people who say, okay, if you are called and you want me to be a part of this, here's a certain type of behavior that you should model. If you feel that you're not gonna model this behavior, then count me out. I can't be a part of this. Do you see what I'm saying? There has to be, we have to get back to center. We have to get back to some sort of moral code because in the story I just picturized, the story where I told you about the mass shooter who has no respect for his family, he totally disregards them. He, they're probably more than likely terrified of him. In more cases than not, they are happy when he's taken away from them because then they don't have to live with this anymore. Because if you think about it, what parent does not know when little Johnny has used their credit card and went online and bought guns to the tune of $2,500. What parents really does not know what stuff is being shipped to their home? Think about that. Yeah, you have a big house and there are many entrances, but FedEx and so on, they're only gonna leave it on the front porch. 
and yeah, he can pick it up and so on, but you have ring bell or whatever, door ring or whatever, so you can see who's coming there. What parent really doesn't know that? So it tells you that the parents are terrified of the mass shooter, which means the mass shooter is in effect in charge of his household. He comes and goes as he pleases. He uses the basement as he pleases, right? He uses the garage as his to store his cache of weapons. And you don't open it in one day and see all these guns and ask him what the heck is going on here. Or for God's sake, call the police and say, I found a cache of guns in my garage. I don't know how we got here. Get it out. Get him out. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? So the society in our free will, we, you know, this, this, I began to notice this. I think it was in the 1990s, the late 1990s, early 2000s. What I began to see was it came through for me through the programming for children. At the time, my daughter was about six or eight or something. And I remember watching it and how permissive it was. And, and, and I remember one in particular who said it was on a business channel. In fact, I had forbade her to watch business channel because it said, your parents are stupid. Go get their wallet and credit card and come and pay for this right now. I, I was appalled. I was one of those parents who in fact had started calling people out about that kind of stuff, right? Because I was, I was appalled. I was like, what? And then I found out that it was also implying that parents are stupid. You don't really need parents. You don't listen to them because they don't know what they're saying or what they're thinking. You don't think I'm joking? Watch sitcoms from the 1990s onwards, from the late 80s to the 90s. You know what you're going to see? You're going to see that the father image in that was torn down. That they made, you remember what we thought it was so funny and hilarious that the father was just this blustering idiot. I mean, he was so clumsy. He could never get his act together. He could never do anything unless mom came in. And we thought it was hilarious. No, what that was doing was tearing down what? The authority figure. It was tearing down the father head. The father head leads to the Godhead. So what it was doing was tearing that they had an agenda. Ask who these folks are. Well, they perpetuated it through the movies. It must have come from Hollywood. But there is a grand design behind all of it. So if you tear down the father, guess what you have? You have access to the family. Because the father is the one who's going to say, no, I don't want that fool in my house. I don't want you to bring that kind of stuff in my house. But if you start disrespecting him from early, you have diluted his authority. So now you see. So what we're seeing now is a complete role reversal and a complete dilution of authority. What we're seeing now is that people really and truly dismiss people in authority. You go to the emergency room. Who is in charge of the emergency room? The security guard is going to control the behavior of people, right? But who is in charge? The doctor. So the nurse is the representative of the doctor. Isn't the ER nurse the representative of the ER doctor? What the doctor says is what's going to go. You'd never believe that. You're going to emergency rooms and people are cursing and carrying on and acting out and crazy and they're sick and need help. That's just one way, right? Everybody, I say this all the time. Everybody's a bad man until the police show up. <laughs> Everybody wants to act big and bad until the real bad man shows up. When the police shows up, everybody's like, oh, well, I did just what I said. But think about it, right? So everybody believes that they're a law unto themselves because most of us did not grow up with the father figure because, of course, the dilution of the father figure, making him seem as if he's ineffective at being in control. So remove him totally because he's a blustering idiot right? That was the messaging. And it was subliminal. It was absorbed. People, children were watching it. So they grew up thinking, yeah. So after a while, in a typical home, I don't want to hear anything from you. You can't tell me what to do. 
and my eyelashes are almost falling off. <laughs> right? How dare you tell me what to do? What do you know? Children talking to their parents as if there is no licensure, right? There is no censor, censorship on this, right? Who do you think you are? You can't talk to me. I want to be emancipated. I'm the parent who says, go get the form. I'll sign it. Yeah, call people's bluff. Oh, really? You want to be emancipated? Sure, go get the form. I'll sign it. And when you're done, you're done. I have nothing more to do with you. Go get out there and live your best life. Do you see what I'm saying? So now we have totally removed that. So that figure, that father figure is gone. So they have made it more difficult for people to stay together. So you get married. So it, the requirement is you want to make money, you have to work hard. So you're at work all the time. The people at work become your family. There's someone at work who 10 chances to one, if you put people in a setting, they're going to find someone they're attracted to. So you spend more time with people whom you work with than you spend with your natural spouse. Right? Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? You spend way more time with people whom you work with than people whom you're attracted than, than people whom you live you live with. So what happens? You have these people bouncing up against one another going, you know, before long you start having coffee together, then a relationship develops. And then before you know it, the real marriage is off the rocks, right? The real marriage is gone because people are like, whatever, I don't need you. The, the, it, it, it seems to me that we have become so lawless that now we don't even know where we stand. This is just a friend conversation, right? We're not doing the excitement preacher stuff. We're just having this friend conversation on what is happening in the country, what is happening in the society as a whole, and how it is impacting people. Because as you look around, there, it, 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 it tells the story. Why are there so many young people in jail? Why are so many young people doing things they shouldn't be doing? And you cannot speak to them. You can't even speak to the ones in your house. So you definitely can't speak to the ones next door. You can't speak to the ones you see doing bad things anywhere anytime because if you do you are in trouble young people are likely to speak back at you the way they speak to you is the same way they speak to their parents at home and parents get this as parents you can't talk to anybody you can't correct your children they'll go tell the social worker at school who will come for a visit i'm one of those parents who i'm here for it bring on the form let me sign it right? You want to be free? Okay. We don't have a problem. These are my rules and my boundaries. Have you noticed that? It's even in our relationship. You know, you draw certain boundaries. You notice how people are ignorant of your boundaries. People don't want to, you say, this is not acceptable to me because this makes me feel violated or it makes me feel bad or I feel disrespected. And people are like, what are you talking about? It's almost as if it's lawless. The whole society has become lawless. And I'm seeing it too. It's not just with the mass shooters who feel like well, they're a whole other different psychological study because clearly they lack social skills and nobody wants to be them, <laughs> right? And nobody's hanging out with them. So stocks to be me. I just bullet to all of you who just think you can get up and go have fun. Well, you suck. But why do they suck? <laughs> they suck because 
they actually got together and thought that it was okay. They grew up in a system where there was no accountability. There was no Godhead. And that is what is causing a lot of the problems in the society. There is no reason, for instance, why someone who has been married for 20 years, 28 years, why should you walk away from a marriage just because you cheated and you continue to cheat because you feel like, I should do what I want and I get to do what I want and I don't care about the consequences. And you don't think about the person you were married to that now they're going to be displaced. Now they're not after 28 years, after 20 years, after 30 years, now they don't have anywhere to go, but you're just going to continue on living your life, <laughs> having fun. Don't you think something is wrong with that? There's, there has to be some accountability. And why is it that people are just having these casual hookups where you just live together and it's almost like, okay, we're just going to live together. Uh, there is no binding here. There's nothing here binding us together. If at any time anyone feels like they need to go, I can just get up and leave. It's like you, you leave that option on the table so that it makes you feel free, right? Where is the accountability to the fact that you created a life with this person? You had social groups in common, right? You saved money together. You spent money together. Where is the accountability that as a person, you have a moral code that I can't just hurt people and walk away from people like that? Where is the moral code that a man is going to have 10 children without thinking of the relationships he has? I, no, and I'm not talking about the sperm donor case. You, you heard me talk about that this week. I think it was a couple of days ago. I talked about the sperm donor who found out that he had in fact fathered 17 children in addition to his three children. And his remarks were that... I can't be emotionally invested with that many people. And the rest of us are like, you see what I'm saying? So he's recognizing that he has a moral compass and that his moral compass says, this is just too many people for me to be emotionally invested in. That is a coming to Jesus moment, a kind of come to Jesus moment where he's like, ah, this just doesn't sit right with me. Do you see what I'm saying? Where is that feeling inside of us that says, this is not sitting right with me? That says, this is not supposed to happen. This is not normal. I should not let this become normal. We somehow have to get back to the Godhead. We have to get back to feeling as if there is a greater accountability outside of myself. So if you were to look at us, there's me, the individual, right? Surrounded by me is the, the, the mayor, the police. There's the mayor, right? Then there's the, the, that's the city government. Then there's the county government. There's the state government. And then there's the federal government. I'm putting myself inside of that. So me in the middle, and I have this. Under the, then of course, under the federal government, you have all the, the military and all that kind of stuff. So when you look at it, there is the level of personal, individual accountability. But what happens outside of that realm? There has to be a what? There has to be a horizontal relationship. So the horizontal relationship is here. Then there got to be the vertical. So where's the vertical? Somebody got to look up. That's what we're missing. We stopped looking up. It's simple. We stopped looking up. We started looking horizontally and we made checks and balances. Make sure this is here, that is here, that is here. And then we stopped looking up. The minute we stopped looking up, all hell broke loose. And it was so insidious, we didn't even see it. We thought it was okay. 
wow, you mean I don't have to be conformed to a form of thinking? It's religion, it's repressive, it's oppressive. I don't have to be, I can actually be a free person. So it sounded good at first, yeah. I can be whomever I want to be. If I feel like being a man today, I can be a man. If I feel like being a woman today, I can be a woman. If I feel like being with a man today, I can. If I feel like being with a woman tomorrow, I can. And it felt good because we were doing what we wanted to do. But you know what we didn't start seeing was when the children started. And then people started saying, well, if this is the case, then I'm not accountable to anybody. I don't have a moral code. The only thing I have to worry about is breaking the law. And to hell with that, I just go to jail and serve the time. That's the society now we live in. Recent, yesterday it was, I read a story on NBC News where a US diplomat in, the, in, in England had uh, had a motor vehicle accident in which a young young man was killed. A young British boy was killed and the diplomat, while this investigation was going on, the police had filed for a waiver so she couldn't leave the country, but the diplomat left the country and came back to the States uh, claiming diplomatic immunity. But there is a waiver that you can sign for that. This is Harriet Kemick. Thanks so much, join me again.